0: Shailen Tudor is back on the podcast today, and the podcast is better for it. Was I missed? Yeah, well, mm.
1: <laughs> oh no.
0: So anyway, so look, going to talk about the singularity and when it's going to take over humanity. I think that was the title, wasn't it? That's it.
2: Yeah, I think we, we didn't. We conclude we couldn't do that because we'd need to find some real intelligence around here, and you know, that's, oh yeah. that, that's not that's not happening. We've got plenty of artificial. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> as we haven't really got much intelligence on the podcast to talk about when the singularity goes and takes over humanity, instead. We're going to talk about, are you ready for machine learning? And it's really, this is, I guess this is our experiences with customers and the conversations that we've had with customers that are looking to go and take on machine learning projects and the considerations that that we guide them through when going through a decision-making process. So we're not going to talk about Cyberdyne systems and Terminators or anything else as much as I really, really, really want to.
1: Is this is the second part of it.
0: And this is second. part two of yes. our ML series. And the next part is going to be ML and Power BI or whatever we're going to talk about. Mm. Right, so to go and kick these things off, um, how do the conversation start? Tom may be looking for you. How do the conversation start with customers when they're saying, we're thinking about doing something ML?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's often a case of customers wanting to do something ML because it's a bit of a buzzword. Um, as I think we mentioned uh, on the previous episode, there is that sort of tendency that machine learning has become a little bit like cubes were 15 years or so ago, that it's the it's the technology that is currently in fashion, so people want to do it. Um, I think that the main things, though, that we want we'd want to steer people towards if they're thinking about machine learning is there's two really foundational questions one is have you got enough data to meaningfully build a machine learning model and the second one is is that data good enough so when when you're actually training uh, and building your machine learning model and training that you need a big enough data set that you can split it out and still have big data sets to uh, work with. So you, you've got to have a, a training data set, but you then need a data set to validate your model against and then potentially test it further with another set of that data. So you've, you've got to be able to split your data into two or three chunks and still have big chunks of data to make uh, something that's going to be representative across the uh, the board. And the other thing is uh, really around the data quality. And we've talked several times about data quality on on this podcast one way or another. And if you are feeding bad data into a machine learning model, it's going to start making bad decisions for you. You know, it's not going to, to help if you are if you're feeding bad data in there. All it's going to do is keep repeating those mistakes that are in the data. So you you actually have to make sure that what you're feeding into it is genuinely representative of, of what you're trying to achieve at the far end. And if you can't do that, you really can't use machine learning effectively. Um, and you certainly shouldn't be looking towards machine learning until the, the core of your data quality issues are resolved and are going to stay resolved. Because again, if you're letting bad data back into the system and feeding that into a model to
0: make decisions will help you make decisions it's going to start making bad decisions off that so so two questions spring to mind from that tom so the first one is what kind of size of data set are we talking about here and i guess that's contextual to what you're actually looking to do but you know first one is what kind of size and then in terms of cleaning up the data how do you make sure that you're not putting any bias on the data when cleaning it up um, well,
2: as you rightly say, the uh, the size of the data set is hugely dependent on the problem you're trying to tackle. But one of the things you'll get with small data sets is it's got the smaller the data set, the more likely you are to uh, create skews in your data. Um, we talked last week about the issues that you'll see when you uh, get bad recommendations from Amazon, for example. And that's often caused by a particular product that you've bought has not been bought by many people. And therefore, it's feeding a small data set into its machine learning. So it throws out some uh, some bad results there. Typically, you will be looking into the sort of minimum of, sort of tens of thousands of rows of training data being available to start doing something meaningful, though. But in certain cases, you might need to be in the hundreds of thousands Dependent on how many features you have in that data and how small therefore your slices are in that again in terms of data quality you're talking we are talking about data quality being a process and understanding what good looks like before you start yeah but yeah then obviously bias becomes a- an interesting question about yeah making sure that what you are Feeding your machine learning model is uh, going to be meaningful uh, and covers the, the full range of the data you intend to test it against.
0: And I look, and I guess if you have hundreds of thousands of transactions, it's difficult to put bias in there, isn't it? <laughs> That's a lot of work to go and do.
2: Yeah, but I believe Tw- I believe Twitter managed it with one of their. Um, uh, picture recognition algorithms, if I recall correctly. Oh, explicit
1: content. It... With Twitter. Hmm? We're going we're gonna to
0: get sued by Twitter now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're bigger than us. They're bigger than is... us,
1: Tom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Shalin, should we just blame Tom and just yeah, say he went idea. renegade? <laughs> yeah, that's a good nothing idea. to do with us. I mean, I never, never met, never met him before today.
1: Yeah, I was saying higher, lower, higher, lower. Like play your cards right. Go <laughs> higher, higher, lower. So
0: you are talking about
1: how many records
0: we, we can go a lot
1: higher we, we actually ran something um, for geospatial analysis um, for and so positioning data and we're talking millions of records because yeah. every single coordinate so what, what it was actually is actually field training and there's a um, a, a device um, so a and the um, gps device then sends information to, to the server. And so every single coordinate, it's not even every single coordinate, it's as soon as it detects anything, any, any movement, it sends that location as well. But what we're trying to predict was route movement of predicting where they may go. So, so route movement in terms of, um, this, is, this is like field training of, of people actually moving through a, um, a, a route itself. And we ran through lots of simulations, collected our data, and um ML then could predict predict based on certain things where and which way they would go. Yeah. Um and this is this is military field training, by the way. So
2: that's why it's important. And you know, I mean, you you're quite right there, Shailen. If you've got millions of data points, use them. Don't just because I've said you need at least tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. Don't imagine that it's a good idea to only use that if you have millions at your disposal. Go and use the data you have and use as much of the data as you can. It's re- and that's, I think that's a really important yeah. point to make is, yeah, don't try and cut your data sets down on this one. I know normally we would talk about try and cut your data set down, only carry what you need to survive. Well, this time you need to grab everything you possibly can and feed it in because the more you can throw at it, the better it's going to be.
0: Does this disqualify, not disqualify is a bad word, but does this mean that ML is not suitable for an awful lot of businesses and a lot of industries? I mean, I work with, with petrochemicals, for example, whereby you tend to get a smaller number of bigger transactions, you know, we're talking of tens of thousands of transactions as opposed to hundreds of millions. And Therefore, they haven't necessarily got the, you know, the bulk, the number of transactions to really do something meaningful, whereby if you look at the average retailer, then the retailers, obviously, they go into hundreds of thousands to millions very, very fast, especially if you go and do basket analysis. And does it mean, therefore, that ML is not particularly relevant for certain sectors? They just haven't got the bulk of data. I think it depends on,
1: um, and then they may have, you may not need let's say, um, big data. And you may be able to make sense and you and could do things with a smaller data set. However, what you need to take into consideration are the outliers. And it's narrowing those down and to really understand um, where those outliers are. Because if, if, you know, with a smaller data set and there are a few outliers, it may skew the whole data set. And we find this normally generally in BI anyway. Yeah, not even yeah. just with, with ML. Whereas with a larger data set, those outliers cause a little bit less noise, yeah? yep. um, unless it's a huge transactional amount or something that you' you're, you're looking at um, but but yeah so it's it's really just identifying that but, um, but the data set it, it is important um, for for different areas, but I think with a smaller data set, you can still make some you know meaningful sense with, with, and, and do something with with ML.
2: Yeah. I, I think that the other thing that is probably worth just sort of mentioning around that is if you've only got relatively small data sets, is machine learning going to give you much value anyway? Or is this something where if your if your transactions come through more slowly as they might in certain industries, is this something where actually using human experience is something that will give you a better result? Yeah um in terms of that i mean the other thing of course if you're talking about say the oil and gas industries and talking about how much it, consumption is going through how much that you might be dealing with some really big transactions on your transactional side but that doesn't necessarily mean that machine learning is irrelevant to you it may be that actually you just need to gather a different data set because there will be other data sets elsewhere that are actually affecting what those transactions come out as and how big those transactions are. So if you're talking about um, oil or gas pricing, you might be wanting to consume a load of weather data and there's a whole load of other data sets you might want to consume and use The, the that oil or gas price as your output. Your input is not necessarily the data you're gathering directly in your transactions as a company. It might, that data set that you're gathering might be coming from somewhere else and it might be an external data set entirely, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that's a really good point that don't just limit to your track, maybe your sales transactional data, for example, think broadly. So, you know, again, to use oil and gas and you're absolutely correct because, you know, there is the pricing updates across a, a whole range of commodities on a daily basis and that's useful. Um alongside a whole load of other things that can go into you know a specific model to go and guide where pricing may go so and you know and there's a lot of big data out there isn't there which you could go and feed into your business which would be an external data source which could be of huge benefit alongside your sales data yeah definitely so okay so so we you're working with the customer we're looking at the size of the data set um, we're looking at the quality of the data that they've got. What's next?
2: Well, I think you, you've you got to be talking to any customer about uh, governance around um, machine learning, because you it, it's all well and good that you've got the technology to do all these things. And there's brilliant things you can do with it. But you also need to be honest and open, or that your your customer needs to be honest and open with their customers, potentially about how they're using the data that they're gathering. So particularly with retail, where it's a uh, B2C type relationship, you, if you're processing people's personal information to make predictions about um, purchasing behavior, you kind of need to be reasonably honest about what you're doing with that. Because if people find out you're processing data in ways they don't expect, they get really annoyed about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, look, and it's going on all the time, isn't it? I mean, you know, I I was having a chat with some friends actually over Thanksgiving. I realized that they've got an Alexa in the house. And I don't know if it's that or it could have been a mobile phone, but they were talking about certain things. And then those certain things were popping up in front of them um on websites you know and we know that that kind of tracking takes place and that's you know partly an ml thing isn't it whereby you're tracking people through shadow profiles about what they're doing on the web and then serving targeted advertising for them which obviously goes through ml models so you know we know there's an awful lot of that that goes on isn't there which you know i would personally call unethical but it happens Um, But I think it's a really good point that if you are going to use customer data that maybe do things like make sure their name and address and whatever aren't involved. So, um, you know, they can't be personally identified and things like that. It's watching out for that backlash that's going to come against you. If people find out
2: you're doing something that they don't believe is ethical, you're going to get a backlash
0: against you for it. So, yeah. Yeah. So governance is a really big part of this.
1: A lot of questions that we get asked are, "Well, well, can we do this?" And it's more like a nice to have. I think ML, AI, um, and and you know, a, a lot of these technologies and the ability to do to do um, this has been around for some time, um, but now people are trying to to do something with it. Um, so I, th- I think you know, we we and it's it's actually the scenario and and why and then building it because. If you don't have a, a clear scenario, you might build something. and think, well, well what's the purpose of that? You know, yeah. Why, why, did we, why did we go through that? Just to run some ML on, on lots of data. Yeah. Um, but we have had scenarios before with um, survey data. Yeah. When, and we, we have run some kind of um, AI um, ML on top of it around um, picking out kind of themes. Um, and before before that, it was all manual. Um, so they they would look at, well, kind of how do we categorize data? And you'll see a lot of sentiment analysis nowadays, you know, and people say, well, oh, we can do sentiment analysis and what are the key buying things, even in retail, you know, so are people likely to buy more when it's like this and like this, and that's that sentiment analysis piece. So, um, again, it was the survey responses, NLP on top of it, um, looking for patterns, looking for key themes, um, comparing it, though, to actual data. And I think that's another thing as well. What are you benchmarking it against? Yeah, so it's great to do something and think, okay, that's fine. What does it really tell us? But if you can benchmark it against something mm-hmm. else um, and something that you know you may have used before, then you have a good um, kind of like for like. So we actually benchmarked it against um, you know was what, what had been done for years before that. So categorization of data and what the um, ML and you know the NLP came out back with. Was a little bit different to you know the um, survey responses to uh, how it had been categorised before, and so one of them was pay and reward wasn't number one. Yeah, um, and that was a kind of a, a contrast to what they thought, and um, it was actually work life balance. And then, when you actually read down and understand where you think and first of all you're looking at really work like balancing and pay reward and and when you start drilling down into why because that's another key thing right you can actually start drilling down into why um and look at well how did it pick those and how did it come back and how did it score it um and then you can look at the actual comments and the narrative and how it scored um and that's where and that's what it's looking for to to pick up those those key things.
0: Just out of interest, I know it's very specific, but did the customer accept the results of the ML model?
1: Honestly, at first, no. <laughs> at first, no, no, because because they were used to how it was done before, but the, the, the business case for this, it took X amount of time. And then now it took X time as opposed to XXX time. So or not even the x time because it was just run it just runs within the algorithm so yeah so there was a little bit of well is that correct but then when when you start drilling into the information which again you can because um, it's the ml part but then it's the bi on top of it to actually to 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 look at you know and, and analyze and, and and view it further and when when you start drilling into the information it made sense and that they did accept it tom you mentioned about you know um how many records etc but i think from experience what we have found before is as soon as it goes over so many records um people people always try and open data up including large data sets within excel now there are limitations within excel and i know there are yeah there are limitations with excel so we were we we had millions i'm talking like tens of millions of records and you can't open it excel but people are still trying to open it excel yeah but it's like why do you need to open it excel to look at that data let let the um, ml engine just take care of it and that's a big data set let you know and and i think there's this there's this piece of people want to still look at data there's no way they can analyze it Um, and then they will try and use tools they're used to they're not going to do a A quick right within wherever it's stored a database, let's take a look at it there. Can we look at it within Excel?
2: Yeah, I think that in a way that's where there's a big challenge with machine learning and AI in general. Because it's not necessarily properly understood. uh, And it is particularly with certain uh, algorithms like neural nets and so on it's not necessarily possible to understand how the algorithm came to the decision it came to. And as a result, people have uh, will get very concerned about it. And if you can't understand how it made its decisions, you then want to start looking at that data in detail. And it's often just not possible at that scale, as Shailen said. If you, And even if you're looking at 100,000 rows, you can open that in Excel. Can you actually take it in 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 terms of looking at that cuz if you've got 100,000 column oh, sorry 100,000 rows by 20 or 30 columns you've got so many million data points you are the human brain just can't deal with it so n- with the best will in the world you can't understand it but at the same time as a result you can't understand how the machine learning algorithms are understanding it so actually understanding where that decision comes from is really difficult. And that can create a gap in trust between what if you're doing, if you're processing this by hand, you can explain to somebody how you did it. The machine learning algorithm can't explain to you how it did it. So that can create some interesting questions as well.
0: So I guess there's an aspect of setting somebody's expectations up front. About that, the the ML algorithm may throw out a result that you're not that you won't necessarily understand. Yeah, it's it's and not you actually can't go intelligent. And ask you questions because it's not. It's only artificially Terminator. intelligent. <laughs> yeah, like the Terminator. Um, <laughs> right. Um, okay, guys. So, best practices um, around ML. You know, so if you're going to go through, and I'm just thinking about timing, um, if you are going to engage with somebody on an ML project then you know what are the top three things that you want to start on thinking about?
2: Uh, I would say they need to be thinking about bias in their training data sets I think you need to be thinking about transparency with the people whose data you're using in this and I think you need to be able to sort of have some governance over that process so you you keep some sort of a limit over the extent to which you're using machine learning for decision-making.
0: Yeah. Shailen?
1: I'd say use case is, is, is really important, you know, just to really understand the use case, not just throw something at it because we, you know, we just want to just want to test it. Use case. Yeah. Um, benchmark against something. Um, so things that have been done before and, um, And so you have some comparison with that data set. I was going to say about the, you know, making sure you have some meaningful, meaningful data and, you know, a true data set. Um, But the other thing I was going to say is more of a a softer one where it's, you know, it may give you some results, yeah. but then, and and you may, and, and don't just, you know, be put off by those results, really understand why it's come back with those results.
2: I was going to say, bear in mind, you may not be able to understand why it's come back with those results as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's big aspects of being open-minded about what Mm -hmm. you're doing in terms of you're going on a journey. You may not get the answers you're expecting. You may not get the answers that you want. But appreciate that it is giving those answers for a reason based on the data that you're feeding in. When do you steer somebody away from using ML and saying, look, you just want to use plain old analytics here.
2: Usually, if we're talking about smaller data sets or where you genuinely need human judgment involved in it, um, because there are plenty of times where you genuinely need somebody to actually look at something and think rather than let the machine do the work for you. All right, guys. Anything else while we're all still on on this subject? I think it's probably we just need to say we'll be back. As we've made several Terminator references.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, okay, well, let's end on a Asla Vista baby. (laughs)